been listening to Madobo's podcast, Adam Go here. Um, here is my former boss of the Clippers of exactly one day, Stacy Yin. Um, she was nice enough to agree to come on, and uh, she can probably confirm this, but I wasn't only there for a day because I was bad at my job. The pandemic just came, unfortunately, and that's what uh, ended things. So, uh, Stacy, welcome to the show. Nice to see you again. Thank you. For the record, I had the pleasure, so it was a couple weeks, I had the pleasure of interviewing you, hiring you, training you, and then you got to work one game one day. So we'll just say a couple weeks, but. (laughs) I was told to think of it as having a one-day contract with the Clippers. Like, you know how, like, the players have one-day contracts to retire and whatever? So I was told to think of it like, like that, so. You did good for your one day. I will re-sign you in a heartbeat. Thanks. Max contract, maybe, Stacey? <laughs> maybe. We'll talk. We'll talk numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay, Stacey. So this is Asian Americans in Sports, uh, a series that I've created for my show just because I wanted to hear from people in the business that um, most people don't think of Asian Americans as like the most populated uh, group in sports. So uh that's why I wanted to have you on today. Um, so where are you from? Uh, what did your parents do? Did you have any siblings? Uh, let's start. Let's start there. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Orange County, California, um, Huntington Beach. My parents came over from Taiwan. So my dad was originally, he was born in China. Um, and then he moved to Taiwan and met my mom. And then they got together, got married, and then they moved over to, to, to California and then had me and my older brother. So my older brother and I, um, we were both born here. Um, and so, you know, growing up, we were, we were in Orange County. So there was, it was, you know, majority, a lot of Caucasians, not too many Asians, um, but my parents, my mom was an interior designer and then my dad was a, a VP of a, a manufacturing company. They're both retired now. They manage properties and everything. Um, but they kind of went back and forth between the U.S. and Taiwan for, for work and then ended up ultimately deciding to, to move to the U.S. and then just settling down here. Were they sports fans at all? Or how did you um, find your way into sports when you were young? Or did this come later in life? Yeah, they were, they were sports fans. They didn't play too much sports growing up, but, um, like when I was growing up, I loved sports. I was very active. I always wanted to like run around. Um, I started off with like ballet and dance, but then I looked over and there were classes for like gymnastics and tumbling. And so I was like, mom, I want to do that. And so she just let me have at it. She, they were just very supportive parents and letting me try everything. So I would do gymnastics and I was very active. And then my brother started playing basketball. And so I was like, I want to do what he's doing. And so I got into basketball um, pretty early on, like probably when I was six or seven years old. Um, And so once I started playing once, and then I got older around nine, 10, 11 years old, that's when I started following the NBA, um, you know, women's basketball in college. I was always like a big UConn fan. Um, and then just from there, just became a big sports fan. 
I mentioned that you were uh, working with the Clippers right now. You're the an account executive for the group sales team. Um, were the Clippers your original team growing up? Did you have a team at all? My team was the Lakers. I was a, I am, was, yeah, the, the past tense, I, I got to be careful with that. Um, I'm a Lakers fan, like diehard Lakers fan. Um, and so it's funny because I think when I was around like 20 years old, when I was in college, I had, was almost about to interview for what you were for game night staff. And I don't think it was group events, but it was for game night staff. Um, and just like with some scheduling conflicts and everything, I didn't get to interview, but it was just funny because I was a huge Lakers fan, but then I was interviewing for a job for the Clippers. Um, and so there was just like a ton of conflict of interest, but fast forward 10 years later, I'm working for the Clippers. Now my friends, my family, they're all Laker fans. And so they, talk a lot of trash and so it's 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 a funny and it's a fun dynamic <laughs> it's a complicated relationship like i i'm also i also grew up a lakers fan i started watching later around 2014 right after kobe came back from his injuries but just like something the way that he played really is very interesting to watch and that's just what you know made me go on wikipedia to like read his biography and like read all kinds of stuff on on the internet and I've been hooked ever since. Um, but what was it like, what part of the Lakers era did you like join in? Um, was it, you know, Kobe and Shaq era? Yeah, it was Kobe and Shaq, which is really funny and ironic because I remember, so around that time, I think I would have been 10 or 11 years old. Um, and so around that time, Ty Lu was the point guard and he was, he's small. He was like six foot or something. And so I was a point guard growing up. And so I was like, that's my guy. Like I watched him, like I wanted to be like him cause he was small and fast. Um, so it's funny that he's now our head coach. Um, but yeah, I joined in probably like right before the three peat. Um, cause that's when, that's when I really started watching basketball, I had started playing a couple of years prior to that and then just actually fall like watching the NBA. Um, that was when everything happened. And so it was definitely the Kobe Shaq era. Um, and you know, this about me, like I'm obsessed with Kobe. Um, and so ever since then just became a huge Lakers fan. Yeah. I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but Kobe was one of your interview questions or at least the lead up to one of your questions. So I was really um, surprised by that in like a Clippers interview where Kobe would be mentioned. So, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's when I knew, like, you know, Stacy's, this is the best interview I'm getting today. Yeah. Um, I mean, just his mentality. I know I, now that I think, now that you bring it up, I'm like, Oh, should I be using Kobe in a Clippers interview? But I feel like it's very universal. Like Kobe, his mentality is just something that everyone should try and strive for. And so even though I am working for the other team, um, that's just something that I strive for every day. Just like his mentality, whether it's, you know, professional or personal, whatever goals that I have, like that's the mentality that I want to have. Like, I don't want to give up. Like I want to keep going. I want to be great. I want to be the best. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like that I brought it into the interview just so that I could see like what you guys would say um, and just, you know, the the answers that you guys were going to 
come with. Yeah. To be fair, this was in February. So, you know, his passing was still fresh on all of us. And yeah, it makes sense that you would mention him in the interview. So, um, so what would you say if you think of like the present basketball players right now, what would be your, you know, your NBA uh, comp uh, compared to like your, your playing days back then, if you could make the comparison? Oh man. Um, I would say, all right, I'm just going to do like a player from our team. Um, I'd probably say Kawhi in a sense where he's like a silent killer. Like I'm not very, like when I was playing, like I wasn't very loud. Like when I would score, when I would do this, like I wasn't super fancy or anything. Like I would just want to, to play my game quietly. Um, and I'd, yeah, so I'd say Kawhi. Interesting. What about you? I, okay, here's the thing. I'm, I'm one of those people that, you know, prefers to just watch the games and not play and, and possibly get hurt. Um, <laughs> so a friend of mine, like, likes to say that he, he doesn't want to play and possibly shame the game of basketball. So that's why he just watches. And I, <laughs> I feel the same way. I, I, I prefer not to disappoint the game at all. Oh, no. Did you play any sports growing up or anything? So my parents, um, they're, they came from Vietnam, um, you know, around the time of the war and after afterwards. Uh, they're a little on the older side just because they met late and, you know, just had me later in life. And, but they're not, they're not really like interested in American culture at all. So that's why I had to discover basketball by myself later on around, you know, 2014. So growing up, the only sports I really did were like Taekwondo, um, swimming and running in high school. I wasn't really good at any of it, maybe Taekwondo, but I did it for, cause I just thought it was fun. Um, basketball, I probably just did it because I thought I looked cool to like the girls, but like really I wasn't, you know, into the game as much. Um, so then in high school, that was when I started watching and like becoming a serious fan. Um, so that's how, that's how I was for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But okay. So if you did play basketball, then who would you, I guess, who would you want to like emulate your, your, your skills to? Or like your, your playing style. I, I feel like I don't definitely don't have the mentality to be taking like the last shot to like win the game. I'm definitely not like that. I feel like I'm more of a role player. Like I'll, I'll make the good passes. I'll play good D. Uh, I'll, I'll have a hot shooting night like every once in a while, but definitely not like Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James level. Like what's like, who's a good sixth man? Um, Lou Will, Lou Williams, let's say, let's say, let's say that like very reliable. Um, you're not, he's not your MVP or whatever, but super reliable. That's, that's me. Yeah. Okay. I like that. I like Lou. So you mentioned you're from the OC. We know that there's like fires going on right now in the OC and like people are having to evacuate. So how did you make the decision to move from the OC and then go to UC Riverside for college? Um, there was a lot of diversity, which I really liked, um, about UCR. Um, and then also being 18 years old at the time, 
I, for me at least, like I wanted to be far enough to where like, I didn't have to come home every weekend, but also close enough in case like I missed my parents or I missed my family and everything. So Riverside wasn't too far, but it's like in the freaking Inland Empire. And so driving, even though it's like what I think maybe 45 miles away, it would take like an hour and a half or like two hours just for me to get home. Um, so there was like a balance there. Um, but also just, it was a very diverse school, which um, really intrigued me and really drew me into it. And so it was really awesome just meeting so many different people from so many different places. Um, so, yeah. Did your basketball career already end by this point or were you a college player at Riverside? I wish. I You know how like some people think they're good enough for something like that was me. And I truly believed it. Um, I definitely thought I was good enough to play at the collegiate level. Um, but sadly I was not, no. So I, I played intramurals in college. I played four years of varsity in high school. Um, and then in college, I, I just played intramurals. I played a lot. I played a lot of pickup. Um, I just, I love it so much. And so I didn't want to ever like lose it. And so I kept playing, but I didn't make the team or anything. I didn't even try out for the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Um, how did you like, what, what was like college Stacy thinking about, you know, career? Um, what, what were you doing during this time? Um, and then what, what was there a moment that made you realize like, like, Hey, I should really try to get into sports as a career long-term. Yeah. So when I was in college, so first of all, when I got into college, I, my major was undeclared. So I really had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, and then it was getting, I declared my major, probably my second or third year, um, in communications. Um, I was still was completely sure what I wanted to do, but I was like, communications is very, um, it's very versatile. And so I was nearing like my third year and my fourth year. And I was like, okay, I got to get it together. Like, what do I want to do with my life? Um, I was one of those people and there was pressure, but there wasn't pressure from my parents. But for myself, I was one of those people where I was like, I want a job right after college. Like, I don't want to have like a one year or two year gap. Like, I just want to work. I just want to, you know, get right into it. Um, I was very determined. And so still didn't know what I wanted to do my third or fourth year, but I was working at the recreation center at UCR. Um, I was there for like three years. And then my fourth year, one of my mentors had sent me this link, Teamwork Online, which did you, did, is that where you applied for the job for game night staff with the Clippers? Teamwork Online? I saw the posting on LinkedIn actually. And it okay. was like super late at night and I was just scrolling and I found it and I was like, this could be a really good opportunity and uh, glad it worked out, but that's how I found it. Yeah. Okay. Are you, have you heard of teamwork online? Like, do you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the main website for most sports postings. Yeah. Yeah. So she had, my mentor had sent that to me and was like, this is a website where you can apply to any sports job, any position, like everything is posted on here. And I was like, okay. So I went on and I just went ham on it. I was just like applying to a, a bunch of different places. 
Um, but one of the things that not, I wouldn't say regret, but one of the things I wish I did differently in college was start internships earlier on. I didn't do my first internship until after I graduated. So I got an internship with UCLA Recreation. So the last, so the day of my graduation was actually a Sunday. I walked on Sunday. That Monday, I drove to UCLA and started my internship um, there. And so it was a paid internship. Um, it was three months. It was just during the summer. And so I did that. And then I was like, okay, it's just an internship. There's an end date. I need to find a job after that. And so again, went on Teamwork Online, applied to a bunch of places, and then applied to Chivas USA, which is a soccer team. Um, and it was an unpaid internship. So I did that for two months. And being from an Asian family, um, so they were supportive. They were supportive of me wanting to be in sports and want me wanting to go that route. They, I'm very blessed and grateful that they, they were just very supportive and never pressured me to do something else, um, do something non-sports because that's you know not usually what Asians work in. And so I was really, really lucky there. But when I got the internship with Chivas USA and it was unpaid, um, my dad was not happy about that. Um, and it's that Asian mentality, right? That, you know, you, we paid for a college degree. Like you have a college degree, you should not be working for free. And so at the time I was like, well, this is just how it is. Like, I just want to get my foot in the door. It won't be too long. Like, I just need to pay my dues, blah, blah, blah. He didn't talk to me for a month. Like my dad did oh. not talk to me for a month because that's just how our culture is, right? It's just like, you work really hard. Asians work really hard and we don't want to just get, you know, work for free. And so, um, you know, I tried to make my point, but um, now that, now knowing all of that and how hard, hard working is, I'm like, okay, like I see why he was upset. Like work is hard and to do it for free, it's like, dude, I'm, I'm not doing that again. Um, but yeah, so did Chivas USA, was there for just two months. And then I applied to inside sales with the angels. And like, that was my foot in the door. So I did that for about seven months. And then it was just like a snowball effect of like applying to different places and getting recommendations and then getting referrals. And then um, it kind of just went from there, from inside sales with the angels. Yeah. About your parents, like this is probably the most important question of the whole episode, but did you, did your parents ever try to suggest, you know, those stereotypical Asian uh, careers that everybody thinks about, like doctor, lawyer, um, anything like that? They didn't. And like, I have cousins that are doctors. I have one of my cousins that is right now attending John Hopkins. Um, and so like, they're doing all of the very like stereotypical um, like Asian careers, but yeah, they had never pressured me to do anything. They never steered me away from wanting to do sports. Um, that little stint when I was in Chivas USA, that was the the most like back backlash that I had gotten from my parents was just like the unpaid part. But in terms of wanting to have a career in sports, like they were very supportive. Like even though it was sales and I would be getting, you know, minimum wage because everything was based off of permission. 
I really thought that they would have a problem with that, but they were just really supportive. I think they knew that I was going to work hard and I was going to, to make my money. Um, and so I was a little afraid of the sales part, but to my surprise, like they were just awesome. They're unbelievably supportive. Yeah. I'm slowly making progress with my parents on like explaining to them the whole sports world thing and working in it. Because I think originally they thought that if you made it into the sports world, you'd be like really rich, like super rich. <laughs> Not you, you wouldn't be getting millions of dollars like the players, but you would be like very well off. I think that's what they thought. So I had to like explain it to them. And then, you know, so many times I think where they, they, they've always asked the question like, oh, so how does sports relate to your major? And then that would that would be like a 20-minute conversation trying to explain. Um, did you ever have to do that with your parents? Like have to explain like communications and the NBA or basketball at all? Um, a little bit. My dad had more questions about that just because with pay and just like the business operation side. Um, I think they they read a lot and they like, they are very much into like American culture. And so they, they understand that like with players and player contracts and their salary is very different than the business operations. Um, but there are just like sports sales. I've definitely had to get into a lot of conversations with that and how that works, like percentages and like my commission rates and all of that stuff that I, I had a lot of conversations with them, just explaining to them and laying it all out. Um, but in terms of like my major and how that relates to like my degree and everything, I would say, I think they understood that communications was just so versatile that I could use it on almost anything, almost everything. So they felt like, okay, like it, it kind of makes sense. Like sales, you have to have people skills, you have to have communication skills. Um, so it kind of just like made sense with her, with her major that she did or that she has. Yeah. 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 I think my parents just always assumed that college would automatically be like a feeder system into whatever job you want. Like they thought <laughs> of it like that. So like, minus the whole uh, human connection networking aspect of finding a job like th that wasn't on their mind. So I had to explain that whole thing to them. Um, but we're making progress. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> back to your like college days. Did you ever find yourself to be the only one in your friend group or even like the whole school that w was interested in working in sports? Did you know anyone else? Were there clubs? Yes. Um, I now, so I'm trying to think back. So when I worked at the rec center, I was probably like out of, actually it's, it's a little different. UCR was really diverse. So it helped in that aspect. Um, there was a lot of, I mean, a lot of Asians would like play in and play sports. Um, and so that was, that was nice to like see other fam like familiar faces. Um, it was when I got to the major leagues. So the NBA, um, MLB going to new Orleans. I was, I was very much like the only Asian American. I think when I started at the angels, I was in the sales department. I was one of two Asian Americans. 
in the entire company, I'd say there was a handful. There was probably just like a handful of Asian Americans. When I went to New Orleans, I was probably one of three, one of two or one of three Asian Americans in the entire company. Um, and then just on top of that, um, being an Asian American woman was, I felt like I had to like prove myself even more. Um, so it, it was, it's, it was a challenge. It's, and to this day, it's still a challenge. Um, but I, I know that the Clippers at least are trying to make a progress. Um, so really appreciate that. But yeah, starting out and, and still, I think it's a, a lot better at the Clippers. There's definitely a lot more Asian Americans than probably the Suns, the Pelicans and the Angels combined that I've worked there. So that's definitely a huge improvement um, and it's awesome to see. But throughout the different teams that I've worked for, yeah, it's, it, I was pretty much like the only Asian American. Yeah, I can definitely confirm the Clippers uh, diversity. I remember the first day I was in the office, I was like, wow, there's so many Asian people here. This totally doesn't match with like the, the stereotype at all that uh, like barely any Asians in, in sports. Um, yeah. So how did you, how did you like learn how to um, like the, being a professional, you know, like how did you learn networking? How did you learn um, what, what to do, what not to do when you're applying and um, interviewing? For me, it was a lot of, honestly, it was a lot of trial and error. So it was just going through it. It was just the experiences. Um, I mean, occasionally I would reach out to, to some peers um, and everything. I, I kind of wish I had like a mentor throughout my like adulthood. Like I had a mentor during college when I was working at the rec center, but when I graduated, she moved um, back home up north. And so we kind of lost touch. Um, and so after I graduated from college and was just going into my trying to pursue my career, it was a lot of trial and error. It was just like going to networking vet events and doing things myself and seeing, okay, this probably doesn't work. This probably works. I'm going to keep trying this. Um, and it was just all through experiences, um, on my own, which I guess it's a good and a bad thing. Like it's a good thing because I'm learning it firsthand. Um, and not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, I'll go through it and I'll be like, I probably shouldn't have said that, or I probably shouldn't have, you know, done that or, you know, this or that or whatever it is. But, um, it was definitely a great learning experience for me just doing it on my own and trying everything out for myself. So, yeah. So Moving on to like your professional career, starting with the angels. Um, I think most people know that sales is the, I guess the relatively easiest way to get into sports. Um, so what, can you just walk me through what inside sales life is like? Um, even if you were working like, and how do the, the different sports compare? Like would inside sales for basketball and baseball be different or the same? Um, it wouldn't be too different, but I'm kind of glad you pointed that out. So it's funny that 
sales, like inside sales has this reputation of being the easiest way to get in. And in a sense it is because we always need sales reps, right? And so we're always hiring, which in turn means that there's so many more open positions that we're always hiring for. So in that sense, I guess it's, that's like the easiest way to get in. But inside sales is freaking tough. Like it is, it is hard. Um, it's not rocket science. It's not surgery. It's not open heart surgery. It's not any of that stuff. However, it is really tough. It's mentally tough. Um, it's, it's really hard. Um, it's maybe the easiest way to get into sports, but it's just not the easiest job. Um, how it looks like in a day, like you're literally making a hundred calls and, in a sense, like, yeah, it sucks because it, it, it might feel like a call center where you're just calling a bunch of people. Um, how I kind of got into it was like, I love talking sports, right? And so I'm not selling insurance. I'm not selling anything that's daunting or boring. Um, like I get to talk about sports on the phone. Granted, like I'm still going to get hung up on, like we still get hung up on, we still get fans that are really, you know, upset or that trash talk and stuff. But at the end of the day, when I make these calls, like I get to talk basketball. Um, however, getting back to just like what my day looks like or just what any day looks, looks like for inside sales, like they would be making a hundred calls. They're trying to, if this wasn't a pandemic, they would be trying to set up face-to-face -face meetings, um, giving arena tours so that people can look at seats and see if they like them. Um, so we're, we're selling packages, like season tickets, group tickets, suites and everything. So we're trying to get these people, we're trying to get fans, like fans that want to come out to multiple games and come out um, more than once. Um, and so it's, it's a grind and we use that term a lot. Um, but it's just true. Like sales is such a grind and sports sales is such a grind because it's not a luxury, it's a luxury, right? It's not a necessity, a necessity, um, basketball tickets. Like you don't need basketball tickets. And so we are the ones that have to like show the value of coming out to games, coming out to Clipper games and coming out to basketball games, whether it's individually as a fan or maybe it's a business where they wanna come out and bring their clients and bring their employees out, or maybe it's a youth basketball team or an organization or a nonprofit that wants to bring their group out for an event. So we have to like sell it as, you know, these are, are this is valuable, like Clippers tickets is valuable. So it's, it's still tough. Um, but it, it's, it's fun. It's fun at the end of the day. And, and we're lucky to be doing what we're doing. Would you say your job is like tougher than most jobs like yours across the league, just because you're in a city with like another basketball team that happens to be, you know, like a world famous brand, um, the Lakers and who obviously just tied the Celtics and titles and whatever. Yeah. So absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's been hard. And even when we are a good team, so even during CP3 and Blake and DJ, even during that era, it was still really tough. And then um, there was kind of a roller coaster. We, we traded players and everything. And now we've got two of the, two, two of the, in my opinion, two of the best players in the league, Kawhi and PG. And so even with two such strong players, like it's still really tough because we're competing with, 17 championships meanwhile we don't have any 
Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely tough getting on the phones, but um, we, I feel like we have a lot, there's a lot of value in what we do and what we represent. Um, and we get out in the community. I don't know what the Lakers do and I don't want to bash them obviously because I'm still a fan of the Lakers, but we do a lot of community work as well. So I feel like working for the Clippers while it is really tough for my job, while it is really tough, like competing with um, the Lakers in, you know, our market, there's so many things to still be proud of. Like I'm so proud to be a part of the Clippers organization just because we get, we're so involved in the community. Um, and so it, it makes up for, <laughs> for a lot of the hardships. So then after your time with the Angels, you moved on to other teams across the country, um, New Orleans, Phoenix, and then back to the Clippers. When, how hard was it for you to like make these decisions about like literally moving across the country and then back and then, and then back home to LA? It was, so moving to New Orleans was really tough for me. Um, I had never, obviously, you know that I went to UCR, so I was very close to home. And so I had never lived out of California until I moved to New Orleans. And so at the time I accepted the job pretty quickly because I was just excited and I was like, okay, this is the next step in my career. I'm ready to get it going. And so I was really, really excited. But once I got to New Orleans, I was actually pretty homesick. Um, and so it was tough. It was just, you know, I had no friends or family out there. It was just a culture shock for me. Um, New Orleans is just very different from Southern California. New Orleans is very different from the entire country. Have you been before? Maybe when I was like on a family road trip, driving across New Orleans or Louisiana, but I definitely didn't get like a big experience or a long experience in New Orleans. Okay. I definitely recommend going there. I definitely, it's such a fun and different city. There's so much culture, a lot of great food. So living there, I wasn't, I actually wasn't the biggest fan of living in New Orleans. I love visiting. That's one of those cities where I love visiting it for like two, three days, like a weekend. Um, but actually living there, I wasn't too, it just wasn't for me. Um, and so I was trying to get back home. Ultimately, I was trying to get back to Southern California. And so when the position opened up in Phoenix, I was like, okay, like I'll be six hours away driving, um, an hour, just an hour flight away. So I'll be closer there. So, um, the decision to go from New Orleans to Phoenix was a lot easier just because in my head, I was just trying to get home. Um, obviously from Phoenix to LA, that was, that was an easy decision for me too. So I think it was just the initial moving out of the country or country moving out of state for me was pretty tough. Um, but one thing that I want to recommend to, I don't know if your listeners are, you know, trying to get into the sports world or just starting out or anything. Um, but one thing that I recommend for some of like the younger people that are trying to get into to the sports world is move around like experience different places. Like, even though I didn't necessarily enjoy living in New Orleans, it definitely taught me so much about myself. I grew tremendously personally and professionally. Um, 
and it was all because of the move. And if I hadn't moved out of state, then I don't think I would have, I don't think I would be here today, but that's something that I definitely recommend is not just staying in one place um, the whole time. Uh, definitely move around a little bit while you're young, while you're in your twenties and everything. Um, it, it, you just grow a ton and just learn so much. Yeah. I figure trying to go for sports in your twenties is a great idea. And then when you like, you know, turn 30, it might not be the best idea anymore. So yeah, yeah. that's, I definitely agree with that. I had a taste of like Mardi Gras celebrations when I was in the eighth grade because my teacher was from the area. So she bought us like the cake with the the small baby inside the cake. And then, you know, I didn't get the baby, but somebody else got the baby. And then she explained the tradition of, you know, if you get the baby, then you have to buy the cake next year. So I just thought that was a really cool like tradition to have in a state. Um, it's like so unlike any other state in the, uh, in the country, I think. California doesn't have that, you know, like we just talk about yeah. having tacos in Southern California, but we don't have <laughs> weird traditions or parades like that. Um, yeah. So your job in New Orleans. So after your, your job with the angels did, was that basically like the start of your, your career in group sales then, or like did in New Orleans, was it, your title was um, new business development exec, but was that essentially just a sales job? Yeah. So that was essentially a sales job. So I was selling everything. I was selling season tickets, half season, partial packages, courtside packages. I was still selling group tickets and suites. It was just what we call, we call full menu. So we can sell everything. Um, it was when I was new or what, when I was in new Orleans that I realized that I wanted to be in group sales or service. So service if you're a service rep, your main job is to just service the season ticket holders, make sure that their tickets are good, you know, visit them during the games, um, make sure that any, you know, anything that they need, you're there for. Um, and then group sales, you're planning more group events. And so they didn't have a position open in New Orleans, but they did in Phoenix. And so that's why I had applied for that position interviewed and got the job and moved to Phoenix. And so I was a group sales rep there. So the difference is when you're a group sales rep, your main, you can still sell everything. So I still sell everything. I still, to this day, I sell season tickets, courtside packages, suites and everything. But my main focus is group tickets. My goal that my managers and my directors and my VP give me, my goal for group sales is gonna be much larger than season tickets. And so, um, when I was in Phoenix, I did that and it's just more of my style. Um, and that's why I love it. And that's why I was very drawn to it is because it's just in my personality. I'm very detail oriented. I'm very organized. And so when you're planning group events, you basically have to, <laughs> you have to have all of that. Um, and you're very much like an event manager. And so I love planning events. Um, and so just you put planning events and basketball together and you have my job and that's like my dream job. Um, and so I just really got drawn into that and have, have loved it ever since and haven't <laughs> really switched it up since. I remember the first, the day that I worked, we had 
a group of uh, women dancers, like they, they were, and they were going to stand in the half, the, the fan tunnel or whatever. I just thought it was cool. Like you, you know, one day out of um, the season, you get like these dancers that, you know, they do a performance uh, on court and then you, you get to like hang out with them a little bit when you're taking them down under to uh, high five the players that day. So I thought that was a cool aspect of the job. Yeah. And that, again, I'm glad you brought that up. That's, that's another reason why I like group sales and group events is um, being able to create these experiences and create these memories uh, for these families, for these organizations, um, for all these people, for these fans that come out, you just get to create these experiences for them. So like you mentioned before, just taking them down to the the tunnel to high five the players or bringing out a dance group to be able to perform at halftime or pregame, being able to play on the court for court time and postgame, being able to take a picture on the court with your group. So all of those experiences, like they last a lifetime. And so that's, that's definitely a huge reason why I love group sales as well is just creating these memories and experiences for them. Yeah. How did you feel the day that you, you found out you were, you know, getting hired by the Clippers and you're going to get to go home again. So I had interviewed, they flew me out there. So I was living in Phoenix, obviously they flew me out to LA and I, I was there for, it was a one day turnaround trip. And so I landed in LAX. I took a a cab to a cab. Now there's Uber and Lyft. I feel so old. I took a taxi to Staples Center. I interviewed um, and then I was on my way back to LAX. And then I was actually going through the metal detector um, for like security and everything for TSA. I was going through there and I had put my phone and my purse and everything in the bins. And I went to go grab it and I got a missed call and a voicemail from the hiring manager. And so I listened to it. And so I called her back and she had offered me the job right then. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I get to go home. And so I obviously, I didn't accept it right then and there because I, you know, was still going to talk to Phoenix and everything. Um, But yeah, I was ecstatic. I was so excited. I was like, one, I get to come back home. Two, I get to work at Staples Center, which growing up, I went to a lot of Laker games and Clipper games. And so Staples Center just, you know, it felt like home to me. Um, So it was just super, super exciting. That sounds exactly like the day that you you called me to offer me the position because I remember I drove from uh, your office in LA back to UC Irvine. I was about to head out of my apartment to take a test and then you called and then we had like a conversation about like hours and, you know, availability and whatever. But like my mind was definitely not focused on that at all. So I was like, can I just call you back later, Stacey? And then you were like, yeah. Yes, I remember that so much. I was like, oh, I feel so bad. He's like trying to just like get through classes and just like take a test and just like finish the semester or the quarter or or whatever it was. Um, And I'm like trying to get a hold of him. I got to figure out your schedule and your pay rate and I need your your polo size and I need a picture for your credential and all this stuff. And I was like, okay, go take your test. I felt so bad. Oh yeah. I was panicking. I was like, I don't, I, I don't want to mess this up. Cause I remember you're asking me to uh, look over the, the packages that you were explaining to us during the interview. And then I was like, Oh, I left it in my car. Yeah. And then, yeah. It was I like, 
Yeah. No, you were fine. You were totally fine. You handled it very professionally. No, you were good. Yeah. Just a hilarious memory of mine, I think. Um, I think also for me, like growing up a Lakers fan, the even the first day, like I was surprised that I got to stand on the court for like 10 minutes just to see um, your, your more experienced employees like explain how to do things. So a funny memory of mine is I was standing on courtside and then they were going to do the national anthem. And then Patrick Beverly was standing right in front of me. And I thought he was talking to me for a second, but then I realized he was talking to himself. And then that was just crazy. He, he was just saying like, uh, you know, America, greatest country in the world, greatest country in the world. And I really thought, I thought he was expecting a response from me, but I realized he was just, that was just his warm up routine. So just leave him be. Yeah. Cause he asks, he'll like, he won't turn to court side. And I know, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. He's like facing half court, but then you got like court side ticket holders. And then obviously like you guys that are standing there with, um, the Anthem buddies, the little kids that are standing in front of them. So he does this all the time where he'll ask, like, he'll be like, greatest, greatest country in the world, USA, America, greatest country in the world. You guys don't want to sing the national anthem. I'm going to sing the national national anthem. You guys don't want to sing it with me. What you guys aren't proud of to be an American. And he'll start singing the national anthem. And so I can see, yeah, like, it sounds like he's like talking to people and asking people, but that's just PB just doing his thing, doing his pregame thing. Yeah. Um, also, I remember like standing on the ground level and then looking up and then seeing Kobe's jerseys like lit up. I just thought it was really cool. Um, I think the interview day that I had, it was two days after his public memorial at Staples too. So getting hired two days after that, it just felt like really good being uh, an admirer of his and a fan. Um, was, so your, was the only game that you worked the Laker game when we played the Lakers? Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. I still remember. It was a Sunday. I think it was March 8th. That was your first game that you worked. Your first and last game that you worked. Not a bad matchup. Like, like I got to see, you know, like five minutes of the game, just like walking through everywhere and whatever. But um, I remember the, the, so the best, best moment was definitely standing courtside and then listening to like Patrick Beverly warm up and, thinking that he was talking to me that was great uh looking at Kobe's jerseys up top but like watch looking at his jerseys from like a different angle you know like it's it's a different angle if you're staying on the ground versus uh sitting high up top um and then second second moment I remember was uh the fan fan tunnels and then seeing the Lakers walk by um apparently Jay-Z walked by but I didn't notice uh some of like the the other new hires like pointed out to me later that Jay-Z walked by with his daughter so yeah there's a, there's so much going on down there um if you're like on the event level there's just so much going on and it's so quick too that it just like happens in the blink of an eye but I mean that's that's one of the that's one of the exciting things about working in sports is just like it's just very fast paced, which I really like. Um, and I think that's why I feel like I do well in it is because it's, it's so fast paced. What's, what's like, so just like with me, um, seeing Pat Bev right there in front of me, like talking to himself, what's your like big NBA memory where you felt like, Oh, this is, this is different. This is a, a new level. Um, 
I would have to say, I mean, it's something similar because I am such a sports fan. Um, but when I was working in New Orleans and when we were playing the Lakers and I was on the event level, um, I think I was meeting a client, but as I was walking through the event level, Kobe had walked by and I just completely like my heart stopped. Um, and here's the thing too, like you can't be a fangirl. Like I just had to lock it up. I had to like stay professional. And so inside I was just screaming, like screaming inside, but I had to like stay professional, but seeing Kobe like that close and just like being on the same, like walking premises as him was just like unreal. So that, yeah, yeah, that would be my moment of like, okay, like I, I work in, I work in sports. Like that was my moment for me. Yeah. I also want to add, like, I noticed during the warmups, they play like, you know, rap music usually for the players and it's like just blasting in Staples Center. Like it's, it's like a party, like if you're standing <laughs> ground level. And then I remember like Woj walking by Maria Taylor from ESPN walking by Bob Iger, Disney CEO walking by. Um, yeah, that, that was my moment where I realized like, I really want this to be like a long-term thing for me in my life. So, but, uh, all right. Thanks so much for coming on Stacey. Um, any groups that are listening, Stacey is your go-to for tickets with the Clippers. Um, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I love doing this. Thank you so much.